taxis to Uber, car lots to Carvana.com. Don't call a hotel to make a reservation. Hop online to see what everyone is charging and make an informed decision. We demand efficiency and transparency in so many parts of our lives. Why do we not expect the same from our apartment or home rental experience? Daniel Mission of June Homes walked me through how he and the team are revolutionizing the rental experience for renters and landlords. Thanks for listening. You're listening to the Real Estate of Things podcast. Welcome to the Real Estate of Things podcast. I'm your host, Dalton Elliott. Daniel Mission, CEO and founder of June Homes. Thank you so much for joining. Well, great to be here, Dalton. Uh, great. I love uh, Real Estate of Things podcast and finally good to be here. Yeah, thanks for carving out time to chat with me. And I'm going to kick us off with a, a deep question here. So let's take it back to our more formative years, say 11 years old. When I was 11, uh, I was an 11-year-old. I went to a summer camp, the Citadel. I was just doing 11-year-old things. You were not doing 11-year-old things. You were doing like 30, 40, 50-year-old things. So when you were 11, you started your first company, which makes me feel like I'm just the laziest weasel this side of the Mississippi. But walk me through being so young and 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 getting that founder title earlier than anybody else I've probably ever met. Oh, that's so funny. You know, by the way, I was doing all the typical things of, a, of, a, of an 11 year old. And then there was this like basically startup entrepreneurial thing, which actually didn't, I, I never like even thought that it's like me starting a company. It was not like, hey, I'm going to start a company kind of thing. It was like, it just kind of happens like somehow. But I mean, the long story short is um, I was a kid growing up, basically regular kid doing regular things. Uh, grew up in Ukraine and basically took my first trip abroad with my uh, mom in uh, to Europe. And uh, on our way back to my hometown, we got robbed and we essentially had no money left. And we had like 20 euros. And the only thing we could afford, and we were like late for the train because we had to like file police reports and stuff. And because we were like, we only had so little money, the only place we could actually afford to be in is a youth hostel. And basically... Uh, that's how, when I was 11, I first saw a youth hostel and uh, like that European backpacker, international cosmopolitan feel. Um, got back to my hometown and then basically pitched really hard my grandmom to convert, to convert our typical Soviet-style three-bedroom apartment into a youth hostel, put a bunch of bunk beds and see what happens. I was probably very convincing, probably more annoying than convincing. <laughs> and uh, ultimately she, uh, she said, fine, you know, like go and try it. And then basically it was like summertime. I put a bunch of bunk beds, listed it on the internet. And remember back in the day when you had to use like dial-in internet, but yeah. essentially like in order for you to connect to the internet, someone had to hop off uh, a phone call, mm -hmm. uh, that, kind of, that kind of experience. Oh, yeah. So using that type of internet, I posted it online and it was, you know, the first youth hostel in Ukraine, um, in that part of Ukraine. And it just took off, you know, in three months, I made like three years for some rent. And I was like, I kind of like real estate. <laughs> That is wild. Uh, yeah. And, and funny you mentioned dial-up internet. I was talking with a couple of colleagues earlier who were five, once five years older, once 10 years older. And we were like, the kids these days, they don't know anything about dial-up. Like you're on the computer and somebody picks up the phone and the connection goes out. The, the horrible <laughs> was, things we had to live with back then. 
Or it's like, hey mom, I need to enter internet. Please hop off the call. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, so that's crazy. You, at a young age, you were not only starting a business, which you know, like you said, you didn't probably think about it that way exactly, but you were starting a business, and also you were utilizing the internet at you know, still kind of a, a relatively earlier age of it. And yeah. that company, you know, where, where did it go from there? So you're, that was your first venture. Uh, but like, walk me through the next uh, bit of progression. Yeah, so it was, it, it was interesting. So essentially it was like, the initial launch was like quick and dirty. So essentially mm -hmm. I had like $200 saved, like from like selling like, I don't know, sweets to my classmates. So I had like 200 bucks and basically like my, my initial launch budget was $200. So essentially what happened there is like, I, I was like, I couldn't really afford to buy furniture. So what I did is I essentially found a bunch of guys in the street, bought a bunch of wood and made them like basically build a bunk beds because I literally couldn't afford to do anything else. So uh, put it on the web, it started working basically first summer, made, made like a lot, of, a lot of money, met a lot of cool people. And I was like, hey, like, can I do this again like next year? Like it was like such a cool summer experience. So, and then essentially I went into school, like did my regular classes for nine months in a year. And then next summer I was like, hey, like I talked to a bunch of my classmates, they got really into this idea. So we rented an apartment. So not only we took my grandmom's apartment, but we also rented another one. So basically like every year since, the, you know, while I was in school and then high school, we would just basically expand and expand and expand and like launch more hostels in different parts of my, of my, of, 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 the, of the region where I was based. And Basically, like that was like my, my high school high school years. So we got like five hostels, bought a bunch of real estate, and um, uh, then I was like basically going into college. I moved to Moscow, and in Moscow we went to like get a legal degree. Hated my life. Didn't want to study. Didn't want to basically go get a legal degree. And essentially, uh, probably six months into my into my into my uh, college life, I was like, screw that. I'm going back to the business. And essentially, like I took that company that existed reincorporated and build it properly from there. And I ended up building it until I was 25, sorry, 23, at which point I, I just exited. And it was, you know, just a complete roller coaster. Almost went bankrupt, then signed a hundred million dollar joint venture with a large uh, Israeli-Russian private equity fund. It was like a whole, like, you know, startup life up and down every day. Yeah, that is that is a wild ride. And to have that experience at such a young age, incredible. You you by the time you were college age, you already had business experience that folks who had graduated college would take years and years and years and years and years to even have the chance to really tap into. Uh, so you were ahead of the curve. And that brings us to the fact that you have stayed in this space, right? You have stayed in the real estate space your you know, not just your whole career, but really like your whole life. And take me to June Holmes, right? I, you know, oftentimes I, you know, a lot of, uh, you hear about startups all the time, right? You hear about new business ventures, new ideas. And I'm, I feel like a 60 year old man in some ways. I look at something and I'm like, ah, I don't know if that's going to be <laughs> it. But, you know, digging through your website, having some conversations with you, like y'all are really revolutionizing the space. So tell me about June Holmes. And then a little bit later in the episode, I want to talk about uh, Noga and her Hell's Kitchen multifamily project. But first, tell me about June Holmes. Uh, what's your purpose? What's the mission? What are you all doing? Yeah, that's a really good question. And, and by the way, about like staying in real estate, I tried to quit and I failed quitting. So it's like, like real estate is just such a such an amazing interesting entire universe of things 
that it's like you could you could literally do it for your entire life and basically keep learning and keep iterating and keep basically building something that's that's like newer and better than than, than anything that you've done before. So for me, like there was a time when I was like, I'm never going to do this again. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go and do tech investing. And I've done tech investing for a year, and then I'm like, ah, uh, you know, I actually kind of like the the intersection of internet and physical spaces because it's so big, it's such a massive opportunity. It's you know, it's the single largest asset class in the world. It's where a majority of people store their wealth. It is just such a major big market that like there are so many pockets of opportunities in this that I feel like you could build multiple multi-billion dollar companies. Like unicorns are no longer cool, yeah. right? Now it's all about decacorns given the all the tech valuations that's happening. So like you can build a lot of decacorns in like real estate space and really make a difference. So that's about that that's to address the, the part about quitting real estate. I am with you <laughs> and this is admittedly where we sit today. This is my first venture into real estate. Like I started yeah. at Lima One Capital six weeks after graduating college been here seven years. And so the private lending kind of non-owner occupied investment space is, is stop one for me. But yeah, like just when I thought I was out, they pulled me back in. <laughs> so just over and over, I feel it. And given that you guys like invest all over the country and you do so many different things and you have so many, and you have exposure to so many different deal types and asset types, I'm sure like you, you keep learning even after seven years and seeing like so many new things that are just popping up in different parts of the country. Yeah, it's nonstop. And that is, that's, that's one of the more fun, engaging pieces of it, right? I was talking with uh, yeah. one of my sales reps earlier and he's like, yeah, every day is different. And like, like the, the core fundamentals stay the same, but yeah, you, every deal is different. Every deal is unique. Uh, the winds are constantly changing, right? We've been in a downward rate environment, just historic lows. And right. really we are at the tip of the iceberg for that to start shifting back in the other direction and up into the right. So that throws, you know, a bunch of nuance into the situation now. And yeah, it is, it's fast paced. It's, it's such a broad space, uh, like you mentioned that, you know, you if you are in it, you enjoy it. It's easy to see how you can stay connected and just have so much diversity and pivotability. And I don't know if that's a word, but you know, you're you're there's there's just nothing but upside and opportunity. And uh, so it's it's a fun space for sure. Yeah, no, for sure. Pivotability sounds like a real word to me. So I'm I'm I I'm it. on that word. <laughs> so June Holmes. Tell me, tell me. Well, I mean, look, um, it all started when I when I came to uh, to New York and essentially mm -hmm. tried to be a renter, and my experience was just miserable. Like, I, I essentially came from from part of the world where I felt like I was already quite successful. I felt like, hey, I have money, I have reputation. It's not going to be difficult for me to rent an apartment. Come on, that doesn't mm -hmm. sound that hard. How how wrong was I? You know what I mean? Like every single detail was so fundamentally flawed. You know, and I was like. Hey, like I go online and I'm seeing all those fake listings online. Like basically it's like a complete mess. There's no predictability. There's no quality. There's no transparency. Photos are misleading. You know, I'm looking at a photo and I'm like, oh my God, this is such a beautiful place. I show up it's, and it's a, yeah. a shoebox. You know what I mean? And basically like, like that part and then like touring those apartments, applying for apartments, requirements, credit rating that hasn't been updated in the last 40 years, mm -hmm. those requirements. 40 time rent to income ratio based on 1937 studies and we live in 2022 and like the whole idea just doesn't really make sense anymore. It's some guy who calculated that number 80 years ago in a completely different economic cycle that doesn't account for freelancers, gig economy, uh, people making money from multiple different sources at the same time, you know, people coming, people being much more global than they have been in the past. 
So to me, like when I when I essentially came here and I experienced the product as a renter, I was just blown away by how bad it is. I just like every single part about it was terrible. So the question was like, how do you fix this experience for consumers and do it in a way that's scalable? They do it in a way where you can do it without actually raising prices. Because for us, as as as, as what was really interesting for me is that there is a whole luxury market. There is luxury housing market, there is corporate housing market, there is furniture rental market that is way overpriced compared to basically local apartment rentals that traditional consumers are dealing with. So what, what, what really was interesting to me is how do you fix apartment renting? How do you create a new way of renting apartments without charging the premium to majority of consumers, given how, cons how price sensitive consumers are? So essentially, we are a managed marketplace. We have two sides of our marketplace. We have landlords and tenants. So the tenant side, June Homes essentially has built a brand with three core pillars. Pillar number one, flexibility. Any apartment is available between one to 18 months. Complete uh, flexibility on the duration. The longer you stay, the cheaper it gets. Customization. Every apartment can be rented furnished, unfurnished, or partially furnished. Tenant goes to the website. Right on the website, they can pick how they want their apartment delivered. On the day of their move-in, they get that apartment delivered the same way that they have selected right on the website. And three, complete focus on being extremely customer-centric and building extremely good customer service uh, for tenants. Every single part about the process is reinvented in June Homes compared to traditional market. You go online, you find an apartment, you always see photos, videos, 3D tours, video walkthroughs, owner's description that say what are the pros and the cons of each apartment. If you want to book a tour, you can book a virtual consultation, video call with our representative within 15 minutes when someone is gonna walk you through the apartment explain to you the floor plan and walk you through the neighborhood, answer any questions. Application process, instead of going and looking for a printer and a scanner to basically scan your pay stubs, which, you know, where do you even get a scanner these days? People don't print things anymore. No one knows where, nope. where to go and print them. You open an app, one June Homes app, you take a photo of your pay stub, and you know exactly how long it's going to take for us to, to approve your application. There is a timer that says your application will be approved within three hours, no matter what, 24 seven. You know, like things that we as consumers are so used to everywhere else outside of real estate, we're bringing to real estate. When you submit a maintenance ticket in June Homes, you essentially go online, you hit one button in, in your app, and you know exactly which state your, your, your ticket is at. A ticket was assigned to a maintenance vendor. Maintenance vendor is commuting. Here's the maintenance vendor on the map commuting to your location to fix your pipe which is going to happen in, in three hours from now. Here's, here's a photo of a completed job. Please rank it one to five stars. Things that we are used to and the mechanics that we are used to as consumers when we order food, when we travel, when we order transportation, when we purchase things online, we're bringing those same mechanics and applying them to real estate in a scalable and cost-efficient manner and building a lot of technology to basically streamline it and make it, make, make it financially efficient. So that's the tenant side, just extreme focus and providing great customer service, much higher customer satisfaction rating, much higher um, tenant renewal rating because of all of that. So that's, that's, that's one side of the marketplace. The second side of the marketplace are landlords. And essentially what we realized is that most of our landlords are mom and pop landlords. They're very traditional, smaller landlords that own one to three buildings. But what we realized is that those landlords are really forced with a hard choice. They either become a full-time landlord and they give up their idea of using real estate as a passive source of income, and they have to pick up phone calls at 4 a.m. They have to go and basically make repairs. They cannot travel because, you know, what if something breaks? Like, what am I going to do then? So we essentially focus on those landlords and we provide them with 
um, and, and we essentially give them a hands-off approach to managing their real estate without charging them typical property management fees. So if you're a landlord and you work with your homes, you hand over the keys to us and we essentially handle everything from upgrading your units, leasing your units, managing your units. And the way we make money is on the spread between the rent that you were looking for as a landlord and the revenue that we can generate from our tenants because we provide them with so much more flexibility, convenience and additional services. That's June in a nutshell. That is a lot. And like I used the word revolutionize earlier and not just pulling that word out of thin air. I think back to when I graduated college, my then girlfriend, now wife, we rented for a couple of years and then we bought a home. But that one experience of getting our first apartment was an absolute manual clunky nightmare from showings and scheduling. It took weeks to find a place that you know was good and ticked all the boxes because you had to schedule an appointment, show up, get in there. There was no virtual option. And then the process of, okay, this is the one we want thought we were going to be quick, good to go. Absolutely not. Right. Like it takes days right. of going back and forth and documents. And then it's, oh, you got to go get a cashier's check. And it's like, well, I've never gotten a cashier's check in my life. What do I do? All right. I got to physically go to the bank, got to do this, go to that. Right. And then the maintenance ticket piece, right. And for us, it was sending an email and then you're just throwing that into the darkness like who, who got it? When's it going to happen? Nobody knows. There's no visibility. There's no trackability. All of these things go back to, to my point of like, whenever uh, I first learned about June Holmes and what you and the team are doing, I was like, this, this is the idea. This is the way it should be. And you, you, you posited it well in that we expect this level of service and efficiency everywhere else in our lives, right? That, that kind of Amazon, I think they're to, to, to blame in a lot of ways for so much of this, like quick, efficient, you know what's going on from start to yeah. finish. You have a rating system. All uh, this, this thing has you know, really changed the way that we view so much of the world and our expectations. And it's just shocked me whenever I ran across you all that I was like, this is such a no brainer but it's just not happening outside of, of you and the crew. So uh, that's absolutely crazy. And you know, uh, market-wise, talk to me about where you all are focusing. Yeah, where are you focusing right now? Imagine like what was you were just saying, like this is actually really interesting. So imagine if like you book a United flight and then essentially like in order to make a change to the flight, you need to email United and you have no right. idea when they're gonna reply. That's like, that's, that's like an analogy that I'm making is like all the time because like, Look, like we wouldn't take this. Like we as consumers would not accept this. Like we call their call center, and if it takes them more than sixty seconds to reply, we're like, what the hell is wrong with them? You know what I mean? So like we as consumers expect excellence everywhere else, and then there is this huge black box which is apartment renting, and you're like, okay, it's just the way it is, and everyone's like, it's just the way it is. It's just the way it works. Everyone's used to it. But truth be said, the minute you start caring, and and we have a whole theory that like real estate investors, for the most part their job is not to be extremely customer centric. Their job is to find good opportunities, negotiate those opportunities, purchase those opportunities, partner with, 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 with partners like you guys, refinance, do the financing part, but they're not like experts mm -hmm. in customer service. That's not what they think about 24 seven for the most part. And they shouldn't be. There should be a layer of companies like June Holmes that have hundreds of engineers working full time 
on making sure that tenant experience is excellent, on making sure that a little button next to the payment sign is in the right place and it's the most convenient place on that screen for that button. That's the, the, that, and that's the separation that needs to happen. And multifamily is really behind other industries in that. If you look at hospitality, for example, and hotels, right? Company that owns a Marriott next to Charlotte International Airport is a different company that manages that Marriott. You have separate, clear separation between ownership and service. And multifamily does not have that separation. Multifamily has owner operating model, which are actually not, it's not the same business. Those are two completely separate businesses. So where we think this industry will transition is it will shift from owner operator model where there are vertically integrated companies that do everything from like acquiring real estate, finding that real estate all the way until, you know, customer satisfaction service. And that will become a thing of the past and it will, in our opinion, switch to a model where certain companies are going to become really good and they're going to focus on buying that real estate efficiently, quickly, doing deals, doing what they're good at. And then there is going to be a layer of companies like June Homes that are excellent in providing customer service, that can increase your rents by providing better customer service, that can increase your uh, tenant extension rate by providing better, better customer service, that can decrease operational costs by dispatching jobs more efficiently to different vendors versus having a super sitting idle at the property and doing nothing for most of the day, or having a leasing manager sitting at the property and doing nothing yeah. most of the time. 90% of the time, those, those resources are idle. If you look at a large building and you have a leasing manager there, they're not doing anything most of the time, except occasional tours that most of them happen at the same time during the day, peak hours after work. So what Junos can do because of scale and because of technology is cut costs and basically become much more efficient with expenses, but also increase tenant retention and increase tenant rates. So this is where we think this is going to go. June or 20 other companies that may exist in the space will become a layer of service between landlords and tenants. And that layer of service will, will essentially become the, the, the intermediary between tenants and landlords, just like it happened in hotels. Yeah, that makes sense. And, and one thing that has been over the last couple of years, a, a hot topic is kind of generational preferences in renting versus owning, right? And the, the idea that Younger generations are perhaps going to be renters for longer and a, a larger portion of them than previous generations are going to be lifetime renters uh, just for flexibility and all the other reasons. Right. But what are you seeing as, you know, you talk about Gen Z and, and uh, the tail end of millennials, what data are you seeing out there? What are the expectations and how does that differ from previous generations? Is it is it that this this generation has grown up with, you know, iPhone came out in 2007, right? I got my, I was talking with my wife the other night. We got iPhones, or excuse me, we got our first cell phones. They weren't iPhones just yet. In middle, when yeah. we were in middle school. Uh, but a friend of ours who is seven right. years older than us, she's like, I didn't get a, my first cell phone until I was in college. I was like, there's a distinct difference whenever you right. get a cell phone plopped in your hand in middle school versus, you know, college. And then today, you know, looking at, uh, kind of the Gen Z, like you, you have a cell phone as soon as you can, can use a cell phone. You're on your parents' cell phone. You have a supercomputer in your hand uh, at like two years old. You have a little iPad when you're four. That exactly. Kind of thing. And so it seems that it seems like everything that, that June Holmes has aligned itself to be uh, aligns with the demands of a new renter group that's, that's coming online. 
Is that, is that right? Yeah, what I would say is actually threefold. So part one, question number one was around home ownership versus renters. And I, th I don't think it's actually a matter of preference. I think it's a matter of this generation being financially more screwed than any other generation in history. People can't afford anything. Student debt is so high that basically people literally are trying to meet to, to make ends meet. We are seeing in, in June Holmes, young professionals working at the most prestigious global companies, coming up with Ivy League degrees from the best universities in the world, living with roommates and hardly making it work. That's how bad this generation is financially screwed. And they, they can't afford purchasing, purchasing that real estate. They are forced to stay in renters for longer. Average uh, first home buying age went from 30 to 47 in the last 13 years. So over a decade, it almost, it almost doubled between the, 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 number of, the, the number of years that someone rents during their lifetime. Average consumer in the US spends 12% of all the money that they're gonna ever spend in their life between death, uh, between uh, being born, uh, between uh, birth and death on rent. That is the single largest expense we're gonna ever have in our life, yeah. <laughs> which is crazy. And like, you get no points on that. You get, you get no return on that. It is just a check that you send in the black box and you have no idea what's happening there. So to me, this is like, this is just such a pragmatic thing that's happening here that it needs to change right now, SAP it needs to change yesterday because it is just this generation can't really afford to, uh, to buy. This generation is forced to stay renters for longer and they want this experience to be, to be different. So I think mm -hmm. that's like part one. Part two is, does, is this generation really that different than other generations? Their standard is higher. That's really what it is. It is just having a much higher standard. You know, the things that we discussed with Amazons, with, with Apple, with, uh, you know, a lot of great companies, a lot of great services that we use. The standard is rising. What people don't understand is that this status quo can be challenged, that the way we rented apartments for the last 20 years is not optimal. It doesn't have to be that way. The, the rules are completely arbitrary. Consumers who are staying in a 12-month cycle don't realize that they are actually ending their leases in the least favorable times for them because they're always ending it at the highest peak season because their landlord gave them concessions so they can end it in mm -hmm. June. But those consumers are getting much more educated. They're starting to realize that the reason I have a 16 months lease with four months concession versus a 12 month straight lease is because my landlord wants to put me in the right cycle that's most favorable for them. And they're starting to challenge that and they're not really accepting that anymore. They're starting to realize how the game works. So it's this, this shift with this generation, it's a shift to transparency. It's a shift to trust. It's a shift to making things work the way they're supposed to work, the way they work everywhere else. So I don't know if it's really just, you know, just really the, the, the generational thing, mm -hmm. but I think the expectations are, are, are definitely going higher. Yeah, there's uh, with more information at your fingertips means forced transparency, more knowledgeable consumer. And that's like, that's inarguable that in today's world, you have the capability to be an exponentially more informed consumer than at any time in history, right? You just have so much data and information at your fingertips. And June Holmes is at the forefront of that. Daniel, we cannot stop here. We have to get another episode up. We're going to make this a two-parter. <laughs> we got too much to discuss. I have to hear That's about it. Noga and the Hell's Kitchen story too. <laughs> so stay with us. Tune in next week. We're going to have another episode, Daniel and I. Daniel, thank you so much. CEO and founder of June Holmes. Thanks for joining this episode. Thanks, Alan. Good talking to you. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Take care. 
Are you a real estate investor looking for the right lender that can finance all your deals and help you scale? Lima One Capital has the best suite of loan products in the industry bar none. Whether that's fix and flips, fix and holds, building new construction, or buying rental properties, they have incredible financing solutions for it all. A reliable, common-sense lender is one of the most important parts of your investment team. And that's exactly what you get with Lima One. Let Lima One Capital show you how they've helped thousands of real estate investors scale and increase their wealth. Check out LimaOne.com or call 800-259-0595 to speak with a consultant in preparation for your next project. Thank you for joining us today on the Real Estate of Things podcast. Subscribe and tune in weekly for new content from the industry's best while we continue to unpack the nuances of this dynamic market. Follow us across social media for additional insights and analysis on the topics covered in each episode. And remember to rate, review, and share the show.